0: So so we're going to talk about wide witness. <clears throat> a long time ago when I was uh, young, uh, there was a, 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 I don't know, a program, I guess you want to call it. Some of you may have heard about it. It was called Evangelism Explosion. Anybody remember this? Uh, it was this kind of deal where, you know, you read and you study for a while. And then, and then what they did was they led you to kind of write a script that you would use when you talked to people about Jesus. And then you went out in groups, you know, like two by two to different neighborhoods and you would knock on people's doors. And you would ask them if they had a church, and if they didn't, you know, then you had this scripture you would go through. And, and, and you know, what you began to pick up pretty quick going through this was that you know, most of the time people that were willing to listen to you already had a church, and people who didn't would cut you off partway through it and say, no thank you, I'm not interested, and close the door on you. And, and as we went through it, you know, we, the, the success rate was, I, I would say, abysmally low. Uh, and doing that kind of thing and and I started thinking about that, and I thought, well, you know, how do I feel about people that come and knock on my door and are trying to sell me stuff anybody Does anybody like that? you know when somebody's knock I don't care whether it's you know windows, they're trying to sell you windows maybe or or siding or w- insurance or religion. So when we talk about wide witness, I want you to turn off the salesperson. I want you to turn off the salesperson and maybe look at it in a different way. Let's pray. Oh Lord, let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as you read through scripture, it it becomes pretty quick that God does call us to have a witness to the world. I mean, uh, go back to Genesis here, right? I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So we're, we're called to be a source or a sharing of God's blessing with the world. It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob, bring back those of Israel I've kept. I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. A, a light and a bringer of salvation. And you hear that echoed in some of these passages Thomas used last week, you know, the salt of the earth. Salt is lost, it's saltiness. How can it be made salty again, right? But you're called to be the salt of the earth to, to season it and flavor it. And again, the light of the world reaching back even to Isaiah and echoing that. You know, a town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl and so they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. This whole thing about giving light sharing blessing, bringing salvation. And, and, and listen, at the end of Matthew's gospel, a Great Commission, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Blessing salvation, light something that brings God's flavor to the world, God's light to the world something that shares God with the world and, and helps people become disciples followers of Christ nowhere in there does it say anything about you know I want you to go out and make these people come to your church right this is about sharing blessing and light and salvation to the world and when Ezekiel talks about the river of life going out from the temple, you know, he says, everywhere the river flows, everything will live. I mean, it's about carrying the life of God out in all places we go, being a blessing in all the places we go. When we talk about this river <clears throat> being, you know, deep and wide, one of the things I said to you the first weekend when we were talking about this is that. Some of us naturally, it's easy for us to go deep. We kind of tend to like that. We like those spiritual practices, those things that take us deep in our faith. Some of us naturally like to go wide. You know, we like to be out there doing things for people and reaching out and doing mission projects and all that. But really, the the imagery that is given us in Ezekiel is as the river goes out, not only does it become wider, it becomes deeper. As I said a few weeks ago, you know, when the when the water, you know, when, when the water is really shallow and it gets hot, it dries up, and pretty soon you're, you're done. There's nothing there but rock. But if the water just becomes deep, it's not going wide. That's not a good thing either. This is a, this is the Frio River, one of my favorite places to hang out. And that's how nice and wide and fresh and clear. Don't you? You know, if it was hot outside today, you would just want to jump in there, wouldn't you? And doesn't that look inviting? Yeah, you want to get in that water, don't you? Now, it's it's really not that deep. If you walk across it right here, you can walk from one bank to the other. It's probably not more than four feet deep anywhere, but it's moving and it's clear and it's clean and it feels so wonderful. Now, do you feel the same way about this? Anybody want to get in that? Anybody want to get a glass of water to drink out of that? But, you know, that, that's about the same depth as the Frio River. The difference is the river is, is moving and flowing out. And, and this is just kind of sitting there. See, when, when, when water doesn't go anywhere, when it doesn't spread anywhere, it just kind of sits and, and it becomes covered in scum and algae and it begins to smell bad and it gets nasty and putrid. And sometimes when our faith begins to feel stagnant and maybe a little putrid, our temptation is to say, well, I need to go deeper. And actually, what you may need to do is go wider. You may need to go wider. Because in going wider, you restore the life. And you allow the life of God to flow the gift of faith is not given to us to hold on to it's given for us to share to be blessing, to be light to be sharing salvation and when we don't do that our faith becomes stagnant and putrid and there's a call in all these, these passages for us to receive and and then to share and to trust that no matter how much you share you will continue to receive. And in doing so, to be part of this ever-flowing river. I've got a word here from our friend, Ellen Maniero. Ellen's a member of this church and involved in several things she's going to tell you about. And I, I will tell you that Ellen naturally uh, is one of those people that would go deep. If, if everything, all other things being equal, it, it, that's kind of the natural place she would go. But she's going to talk to us here about going wide.
1: You know there are many practices that we can do to deepen our faith, but if we aren't then applying it to the world, um, then it's we're it's almost like we're hoarding it. We're, we're keeping it to ourselves when we're really called to um, take that take that message, take that love, um, and share it with the world. I mean, I, I really think that God put us here to connect with each other, to connect with. Uh, him and each other. And uh, so if we're, if we're reading the Bible and praying and doing all of that and not being in community, not being in connection uh, with others, then uh, there's, you're missing something, I think. You know, in, in our um, being in community with others um, and going wide, uh it's not always the big things that have a powerful impact it's the little things and um you know the ministries that i'm in right now um, are one-on-one connections for the most part Um, they're small groups and sharing that god's message god's love um, in those small groups helps others in their journey um, it, you know if they're struggling with something in their healing um, hopefully they will then go out and share that um, that same love and uh, connection that we've had. For someone who is feeling like they um, they're a little uh, nervous about about going wide, um, and taking what they have um, to be curious and to be um, courageous and to step out and um, you know make a new connection talk to somebody in church or um, you know give somebody a phone call it, again it's I think it's the little things that um, the small gestures that we do the reaching out and you um, connecting with others that um, maybe steps, maybe one step at a time. I don't think God has ever done with us. And so we need to keep at it. We need to keep, um, keep finding new ways to experience God, to be really looking for God. I have come to a point in my journey where I expect God to show up every day every place, uh, because God is everywhere. And so I really, um, you know, getting to the point where we're really seeing, wanting to see, and yearning to to connect with God in everything, um, we can never have enough of that.
0: An awesome word from her. And as I was listening to her, I kept... uh, in my mind, I was remembering Thomas shared with you a quote last week from Miriam Swanson. Uh, she was one of our speakers at New Room, where she said, "Our holiness is is not just something to be protected from the world; it's something we're to called to share with the world." And Ellen talked about not hoarding, right, but but rather sharing it out, uh, and sometimes in big ways and sometimes in small ways, uh, for that witness to go out. When uh, Jesus and in, in, His last resurrection appearance with the disciples uh, is instructing them. He says to them, uh, you know, when they're together for the last time, uh, they're asking him, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? And he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. This is Eugene Peterson's uh, translation. Um, and, and as I look at that, there's a couple things I want to point out to you. And one of the things she mentioned, which is expecting God to show up, it's it's the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Now, before you kind of go off the edge with that, I'm, I'm not talking about you know falling down on the floor kind of stuff, okay? I'm just talking about an awareness of the presence of God and cultivating that and asking that to be in you and, and being connected with that. I love the way she said, I just expect God to show up. I expect him to be there. Because w- without God's presence with us, what what light do we what light do we have to share? without God's presence with us what what taste or flavor of God do we have to share without God present with us, what salvation do we have to share? what hope do we have to share? because what we are sharing is is God himself, the presence of God with us I mean kind of uh, reminds me of John uh, when Jesus is doing the, the vine and the branches. And he says, you know, uh, if you remain in me, I'll be you bear much fruit. But uh, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, if you're not inviting God in the spirit to be with us, then you can do nothing. The other part of that is I want you to remember that what Jesus said is you're going to be my witness. Which is one who gives evidence of something or who has personal knowledge of something. He doesn't say uh you're going to be my theologians or you're going to be my philosophers or, or you know, you're know you going to be the experts. Uh, he says you're going to be a witness. A witness is somebody who bears testimony to what they've experienced, what they've seen, what they've encountered. Now that That's what you're called to do is, is share who God is in your life. First Peter talks about getting a Uh, account of the hope, right? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Because he knew his people were living in a very hostile time. So if you think about this, that that we're supposed to ask God to be with us and then allow us to share with others who God is in our life. I I want to take you back then to this idea of sharing blessing and talk about this concept that we started last week out of bless austin and incidentally the website's there if you haven't been there checked it out i would encourage you to go there and check it out uh, this movement the the bless movement started when uh, folks began to realize that most of the time when people try to share their faith they go in they slip into a sales model they try to you know it's it's you know have the elevator speech, right? Was that Mary Kay, I think, that came up with that, you know, you should be able to get on the elevator and, and make a sale before you hit the ground, you know, and so you have these elevator speeches and all that. And and what they realized as they talked was that it's that's just a highly ineffectual way to share the faith because God's not asking you to make the sale. That's God's job. All God's asking you to do is share a witness of how God's been active in your life. And so they, they begin to think about, how do you do that in a way that's authentic? And they put together this uh, acronym with BLESS, and you begin with prayer. This does not mean go next door to your neighbor and immediately pray for them to receive Jesus Christ because they're such terrible sinners, okay? Please don't do that. You may want to pray for them at home first and begin praying for them and lifting them up because your heart needs to be open to their heart this is going to be authentic and real listen to them with care i love thomas quoted that old that old saw we use a lot of times which is you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care listen with care listen with care in the partners in ministry training we do uh, one of the things the author says you know when, when you find somebody who really listens to you they either become your best friend or your spouse Listen with care. And and having, you know, pray for them, even if you're not with them, and listen to them. Really listen to them with care, which means stop talking and listen sometimes. Some of us are bad about that. Uh, And and then share meals together, eat together. Whether it's a, a full on meal, whether it's meeting them somewhere to grab a snack, taking them a plate of cookies, whatever it is. But share table fellowship with them because it's one of the ways we bond with one another. And then serve it with love. As you come alongside people in life, everybody I know, as you come alongside them, they're facing challenges in life. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how great your life has been. Everybody faces challenges in life. And everybody longs to have someone come alongside them and do it. I mean, it, it, it can be a challenge in their work situation. It can be a challenge uh, in, in their marriage, or they, you know they can have kids that are driving them crazy, or the kids can have parents that are driving them crazy. They can be having a hard time at school. It can be an illness. It can be a death in the family or in the family's in-law or whoever. I mean, all of those kind of places, we run into those kinds of challenges. I had a conversation with somebody recently who was just telling me how hard it was to go to work because their job had become so dull and boring. But it paid them really well. And so the struggle was, oh, I hate doing this every day, but I like getting the paycheck. And how do I figure out what I should do with it? I mean, people face challenges all the time in life. And if you can come alongside and, and just be there and listen to them and and serve them. You know, may, may, maybe you can help them. Maybe, maybe you can help, you know, Get them to a medical appointment or maybe you can help take care of something at their house so they don't have to do it. Well, it doesn't have to be a big thing but just something that demonstrates to them the love of God. And then having done that there will be a point somewhere in there where you can offer to pray with someone. They're going to this or going to that or they're having this long conversation with you about wrestling with stuff and you can say you know I don't know the answer to that but can I just can we just pray about that? Now, I have, I have an advantage over most of you. Most of the time when I'm around people, they know I'm a pastor, and they're not going to tell me no. It does happen once in a while. But I'll also tell you that, that in the years as I've been in the hospital with my wife with various things, and, and we've had medical staff around us and all that, anytime I've said, they don't know I'm a pastor. I'm just the husband. Can we pray? I can tell you, I, it, it's hardly ever that someone says no. And I'm sometimes surprised by how many of them say yes. People long to have someone with them in that time. And when you offer to pray for them, that's a powerful message. That's a powerful message. And I can't tell you how many times I've encountered someone struggling with something. Even if I've I've just run into them somewhere and they're wrestling with something and they're telling me about it, whatever. And at the end of it, I'll say, can I pray with you about that? People will gladly receive that. And as you get to know the people that live around you, that work with you, that you walk with, who you come alongside and you enter into serving with them and praying with them, which is part of serving with them in a lot of ways. Sooner or later, there'll come a time when they'll say, are you a Christian? Or do you believe in Jesus? And why? They'll open the door for you. You don't have to force it. Just wait. They'll give you the opportunity. And then you can say things like Ellen just said. You know, when you reach this point in my life, God's come alongside you so many times that you just get to where you expect Him to show up. Some of you have dramatic stories, and you'll be able to tell dramatic stories. Blessings on you. Some of you don't. Blessings on you. It's not whether the story's dramatic or not that matters; it's whether it's real. People don't need you to manufacture great stories. They just want to know the reason for the hope that's in you, as Peter says. That's when you can actually open up and share your story and God's story with them. They'll open the door for you to do that. And that's when it's powerful. I want you to remember this summer, when we went through the Chosen series and we were looking at all those, there's that scene where, um, maybe it was in the spring, uh, where where Mary receives healing from her possession. And you could visually, I mean, the way they did her makeup and everything, you could visually see the difference in her, but also in her mannerisms and the way she engaged people. And poor Nicodemus is just beside himself. He's trying to figure out, how does this happen, you know, this amazing transformation, How's this taken place? And he's trying to make sense out of it, and he's wondering, did he do something that causes it or whatever? And so there's that wonderful scene where he finds her in the market one day, and, and he reminds her of who he is, that he came and he prayed with her, and he said, what, what was it that I said that, that made this happen? And she says, oh, it wasn't anything that you did. That's always a good reminder for us, right? When we're trying to share our stepface stories, it's not anything you did. that he called me by name. And Nicodemus pushes on and he says, well, tell me, what exactly did he do? How did he make this happen? And I love the, that, this response. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Now that is the simplest witness you can make. I was here, And now I'm here. And it may have happened in one great moment. Or it may have taken you 20 years to get there. But I was here and now I'm here. And I I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know how God does what God does. All I know is that the thing that happened to me between this point and this point was him. And if you can share that with the people in your life, the river will flow. And everywhere the river flows, everything will live. Let's pray. Mighty God, we give you thanks that you include us in this great river of life that you are pouring out into the world. We offer ourselves to you to be filled and then to be poured out. To receive light and then to shine it forth. To be blessed and then to share a blessing. To be saved and then to offer salvation. Thank you for allowing us to be part of this great witness you make. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we prepare to get communion, I'm, I'm going to remind you that, as we talk about wide witness, that if you are looking at this altar behind me, this is World Communion Sunday. Uh, and so this altar has is, is got bread and, and fabric and I don't know what all from all over the world on it as a way to remind us that that the salvation, the light, the blessing that Christ offers goes out into all the world. And when you gather tonight at this table, Just know that your brothers and sisters around the world are are doing the same on this weekend all around the world.